Welcome to the Men of Valor podcast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined today uh, by Chris. What's up, Chris? Yeah, I'm so glad I could be here today. I'm excited. Good to have you. So today, I just wanted to kind of go over uh, who we are, what are some of the things that make this podcast worth listening to, um, what some of our goals are, and uh, a few things that we've been learning on the way. So um, this this podcast right now has kind of a working title of Men of Valor, and the reason why I chose that name um, is because today I feel like there's kind of a lack of... Uh, a lack of understanding and responsibility for men. Um, I'm, I don't want to get into the weeds here, but I feel like there's men have kind of been stepping down from um, the responsibility and the, uh, the patriarchy that they have. And I don't want to say that and offend any feminists because (laughs) I'm all for women's rights too. And, and I don't like, like I said, I don't want to get in the weeds with that, but, that there's just this this huge push uh, for women that men kind of are starting to feel somewhat neglected. And so with this podcast, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, why um, that's happening, but then more importantly, like what we can do about it and how we can step up as men. Um, I think chivalry is something that is wonderful and, I think it should continue, and it scares me when uh, I see less and less of that, you know. Um, and I don't know how you feel about that kind of stuff, Chris, but that that's something that is big to me, and I think my parents helped instill that in me, and I want to see more of that. The other thing is I want this to be a place where men that are struggling with things at home um, can kind of come to like a brotherhood and just discuss and vent and just talk about the hard things that are happening. You know, if it's something that they're uh, addicted to, like if there's, if they're playing too much video games and their wife is really mad at them, you know, that's, that's something that happens today. If it's that they're addicted to pornography, if it's that they're spending, you know, not enough time in the home or with the kids or whatever it is, just those kinds of things. Um, you know, I want those things to be openly discussed. Um, in my life personally, I've seen a lot of my friends struggle with a lot of the same things that I have. Um, and the more that I've talked with them and open up to them, the more I realize that a lot of the problems that they had to begin with probably could have been solved more if they would have been willing to talk to somebody and just open up to somebody for myself um excuse me i know if 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 i would have done that it would have helped me a lot and there there's a lot of years that could have been spent healing instead of digging myself deeper into a hole um and so i want this to be a place where guys feel comfortable you know we can express ourselves and i mean we're going to have different uh guests on here that are just normal people like you and me um, that are just going through stuff and need somebody to talk to. Um, you know, one of the things about this too, for for me, you know, one of the things that I've struggled with is pornography. And it took me years 
years and years until I finally opened up and and talked to somebody about it. And um and I was just I was just so scared to talk to anybody because I felt like it was something that I could handle on my own. Um it was something that uh I didn't really need other people judging me about. But once I d- decided to open it up to somebody about it, it was amazing how relieving it felt. And uh and because I did that, I was able to open up to other people. And I won't get into too much details on this episode, but um, that was so freeing for me and helped me to move forward in tackling this this in ways that I just thought were impossible. Um, so that's kind of what some of my goals are. And uh, just real quick, I want to say the, the reason why I bring Chris on board is because Chris is somebody that has known me since I was what 12 <laughs> and yeah. uh yeah. we've we've been through a lot together at, over the years and um even though we've been through so much I still kept everything uh secret from him and and from everybody around me and when I finally decided to open up about that Chris is the first person I came to um, that's how much trust I have in him. And so when I had discussed, you know, starting a, a podcast or trying to get some sort of, uh, voice out there, uh, he's the first person that I wanted to talk to. And so he, and he was right on board with it too. So, um, so yeah, I just wanted to say that and Chris, you're welcome to, to jump in here and I'm sure yeah, you got course. some thoughts. <laughs> oh, I mean, I always love hearing your talk. <laughs> Um, I, I feel like through my life, uh, which has been quite a journey as well, and, and I think everybody does, right? I think that's that's the joy of life is that everyone's life is so unique. And I think everybody has lived through, you know, some people more than others, but everybody's lived through drama. Everybody's lived through sad, happy, frustrating, angry, joyful, tearful. Like we've all lived through all of that. And when you, when you first kind of came and said, Hey, I want to do a podcast that talks about real life. That's how I saw it. Like I want, I want to do a podcast that yeah. talks about real life and I want people to be able to come. And it's not like we're going to focus on one thing in particular, but we're going to focus on everything that has to do with being a male in today's society and being the best type of person we can be. And, and that, that means all sorts of things to different people, right? Some people, they want to be the best dad. Some people, they want to be the best boyfriend. Some people, they want to be the best son, right? We're all at different phases or different different parts of life or different decisions, right? Some of us make a whole bunch of decisions in our life. And I think in today's society, it's so easy to get the role of being, you know, in, in the mix of quote unquote roles, right? Everyone's so concerned. Well, I'm not this, I'm a this, or I'm not this gender, I'm this gender. And we forget the best role any human can be is that of being a good person. Like that is the role we're here to play. And I think yeah. we, you know, society itself sometimes pits us against ourselves and getting so entangled in well, I identify as, or, or I work as, or I am this type of person, right? Even to personality codes, which are like, I'm a lion, which means I can be aggressive and mean. No, it doesn't. It means that's what maybe you're inclined to. And that's what you need to work on more, right? Like <laughs> that, the purpose of things isn't to tell us who we are, but to tell us who we're, you know, who, who we need to become. And I, that's what I love most about this is when you first brought this to my attention, I said, I want to do this because 
I think there are people out there who want to listen to a podcast that brings real life to them and gives them help. And, and not that we're therapists, not that we're here in a professional capacity, but we're here as people who live in the same world as other people and who are observant and have taken time. And I think it's the most important part. We take time every week to get together and say, how are we all doing? Here are things we observed. Here are things we're trying to get better at. Here's what we're noticing. And it's the community effect, right? It takes a village to raise a child. And and I think in this case, it takes it's going to take a society to raise good people. And, and I think as I've talked to you several times about fatherhood, and that's not something that I've crossed that bridge yet, but I hope to. And when I do, I want to be able to be the best darn father out there. And, you know, and I want to be able to be respectful. And, and you had mentioned earlier, you see chivalry as kind of a lost art. I think so many people, they're fiercely independent now because they see any act of a male helping a female as as patriarchy, right? Like that's a misogynist act. You don't need to open my door. I can do that myself. It's not because they're in any way inferior to anybody. This is a sign of respect of someone I love, right? I'll, I open yeah. Andrew's door sometimes, like, right? Like, and it has nothing to do with a love affair. It has to do with, I respect someone and I want to work for them, right? Like, you know, people do nice stuff for people all the time. And I think that the art of chivalry isn't an art of showing dominance. It's an art of showing love. And that's what yeah. I hope through these podcasts we can help people understand again is how in this day and age do we become chivalrous? Do we become men of valor? Do we become, you know, truly in private virtue and public virtue intact people? And so I'm super excited to record with you um, in the in the coming months and years, I hope. And I really hope that people, as you listen to this, that you can remember our goal here is to always talk about real life, which means sometimes there's going to be hard subjects. Sometimes there's going to be subjects people won't really want to listen to because it's not always easy to talk about real life and it's not always easy to uh, have to face it. And and we're going to do all that here. And that's, that's what we're doing. We're here to, to talk about, you know, there's a local radio show that talks about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And that's always one of my favorite sections of their show, but that's kind of what we're here to talk about. So I'm, I'm really excited. Absolutely. Thank you. And you know, as you, as you said, like, I think, I think patriarch, the word patriarch has, um, somehow been, uh, almost just, I don't know. I don't know the right word to use, but like complete, like the, the meaning of it has been tarnished because the matriarch is just as important as a patriarch, you know, and, and the roles that a woman and a mother has those are something that there, there are parts, things that, that, a, that a woman can do and provide for a family that a father cannot. And, and it's vice versa too, because a woman I've seen in, in so many different ways, I think they're able to nurture a child, um, and a, and a spouse, a husband much, much better, um, than, a father could. And that's not to say that a father can't do that because he can, but there's just different levels, I think. And, and there's just so many different, uh, roles that are, that are so vital to, yeah. um, to us and, and go ahead. 
And to interject, I've seen stay-at-home dads who were like the mother was the, and I, I think those families function really well. Like they still played parental roles, right? The the fact was, if a if a dad's gone too long, it's going to be impactful. If a mother gone it's gone, it's too impactful. I love when you brought up matriarch. I just want to throw this in. Literal dic- dictionary definition of matriarch is a woman who is head of a family or tribe, and a patriarch is the male head of a family or tribe. Like yep. they're exactly. they, to me, I've always seen them as side by side, and where we went wrong in the past is some people took the patriarchal role and said, no, this means I'm in charge. We're going to dismiss matriarchy and we're going to promote patriarchy. And, and I agree with you. I, I think that those words don't have a connotation in and of themselves, except for the one society has assigned it. And we've assigned a negative connotation to patriarchy right now, just like previously in the past hundred years, we've assigned a negative one to matriarchy. And I think I want to abolish both and say, look, they're both equally important men and women. And sometimes personalities play into that. People are different no matter what. Right. And, and you can't ignore that. You know, some men work and some women work in a better capacity here. Some men work in a better capacity there and same for women, right? Like everyone has their own traits. And I think that's what's so cool about life is that as we're growing and going through all this, you know, I have people come and they want to have this debate with me of like, well, a father's role is to provide for a family. A father and a mother's role, as much as traditional sense, like, yeah, I would say, I, I would sure hope that a guy that takes, you know, that takes on another person in his life is willing to take care of that person and provide for that person. And that guy, sure enough, probably isn't going to be spouting out children anytime soon. Right? <laughs> like that's not <laughs> something that's part of, part of a biology right now. And, yeah. and so because of that, you would sure hope that when, you know, he decides I want to grow something together, that when that person is unable to do work, he can take care of them. Right? Like that's where, that's where it all started from in the beginning. You know, uh, one person yeah. was able to do work when another person couldn't. And, Right now, I mean, we're at a day in society where that's those roles are changing a little bit. And I think the most important focus here is to remember a patriarch and a matriarch are, are both super influential parts of a family. And I have nothing against alternatively lifestyle people, but I do know, and stats seem to prove this, that, that the most well-founded homes, the ones with the best founded children are generally, for the most part, ones that have both a patriarch and a matriarch. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and no, that's I, been I that's been proven. <laughs> yeah, and so and and I respect everyone's choice. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to sure. be you know coming on here and, and just being like, well, those those nasty people. No, that's not how I see it. I just see it as that's their decision. And you know, just like I'm personally not someone who chooses to you know do drugs, and someone else who and that's a bad example. I apologize, but I'm personally not someone who chooses to. Oh, I, I don't even know what's a, what's a good example here, but there are certain habits that I choose not to engage into. And I see other people engage in those sure. habits and I just have to recognize we have different life choices and that's cool. But what I do know is those who choose to make this, the same life choices as I do, I want to help those people because yeah. those are the people I know I can help, right? If someone chooses different life choices than me, I won't be able to help them because I don't understand that life choice. Do you get where I'm coming from? Like our voice of impact yeah. can only be people that we can understand and assimilate with. And, and that's not to, you know, disassociate anyone who doesn't make those same choices, but it's to say, you can listen to me, but you probably won't understand or love what I have to say because we don't think the same way right now. And, and I always love yeah. to listen to people who have different points of view, but I know that was a little no, bit I, of a rant, but <laughs> I, I hope you see where I'm coming from with that. So No, totally. I, I, I think it's uh, it's important that we that we 
help people understand like we see things differently and that's okay. You know, there are going to be people that might turn on this podcast and then they, they'll just turn it off because they're like, oh, well, these guys, they think that pornography is wrong. There's a lot of people that have no problems with pornography. And for them, that's fine. I personally see that as something that is a negative in my life and a negative in my friends' lives. I haven't seen any cases with people that I personally know where that's been something that makes their life better um, or makes their, yeah. their marriage better or um, any of that stuff. So, so for me, that's something like that. And then just to, to hop on a side train real quick, I do want to say, um, you know, this podcast, like I, I want to be as open as trans and as transparent as I can be. And one of the things that I hold very close to my heart is my, um, my religion and my spirituality. Um, I've, 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 I don't know the best way to say this, but I've been kind of, uh, on ups and downs with it. And lately I've really tried to, you know, bear like push my roots deep, deep into the ground because the things that I know to be true, I know are true. And that sounds really cliche, but I really know them to be true. Um, and one of the things that I hold close to me is there's a uh, there's a document that the the leaders of of my church put out called the Family of Proclamation to the World, and so this is something that's that's really uh, basically doctrine to me. And it says one just just one of the parts in there I just want to share with you. It says, "Husband and wife have a solemn responsibility to love and care for for each other and for their children." Um, and then it says a little bit further down. Let's see. Sorry, I'm trying to find it. <laughs> um, here it is. Husband and wife. No, that's probably just read. Sorry. Uh, the family is ordained of God. Marriage between a man and a woman is essential to his eternal plan. Children are entitled to birth within the bonds of matrimony and to be reared by a father and a mother who honor marital vows with complete fidelity. Happiness in family life is most likely to be achieved when founded upon the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, now before I get too religious, <laughs> I just want to say these these things are all etern eternal principles and the roles that we have as as a husband and a father and as a mother and a wife are essential um and whether you're religious or not i think that still applies because you know we have different characteristics about us that really stand out men typically tend to be a lot stronger than women and women can birth children first of all and they can be incredible mothers um, and they're, they're just innately, uh, better, uh, at, at parenting, for example. So there's, anyway, we have our differences and we kind of just, it's the, it's the whole yin and yang thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and I, and I like a lot of people, you know, when they say like, 
being a parent, they're like, well, anybody can parent. That's that's not a sign of, you know, that that's kind of a condescending thing. I, I see it as I, I know plenty of women who are a heck of a lot smarter than I am. And, uh, you know, I have sure I'm, I'm in a family that's pretty much all girls, right? Five girls, two boys. And it's a super large family. And I would say every single one of my sisters has excelled in their fields from, you know, I have Harvard graduate sister and um, I respect each one of them and I never have seen it. I know some people see it that way, but when, it, when I talk about the role of my sisters, it has never been like, Oh, well, they're just, they're just mothers. They're just parents. No, I've always seen it. And to me, as much as those roles are super important. And I think we diminish those roles sometime of, of being able to be, the founders of society, right? Like to be the people who move society onward. I've seen the ways that they touch. They're so observant and kind. And, and there are times where I'm hasty and they're not. There are times where, um, you know, I'm, I, I think I'm observant and they observe 10 times more than me. Like, I just think, you know, we all have, and each one man and each woman is going to have different strengths and weaknesses, Right. The smartest of the woman and the smartest of the men, you know, like I, I think you're going to see each person, no matter their strengths and weaknesses, you'll see a different a different set of strengths and it's a different set of weaknesses in each person. It's not like all women have the same strengths or all men have the same strengths. And, and I do agree with you that, you know, there are some physical and, and a few mental, right? Like mm-hmm. every, every scientist will say there are different hormones that go in the body of a male than a female right? Like that's pretty much a fact of life that 90% of the world outside of people who are born with some defects and different things, they, they, males will have different, you know, they're going to have more testosterone in their body than estrogen and females going to be the other way around, right? Like, yeah, that's kind of how that's innately when you're born set up, you know? And so for me, as I see it, um, oh, go ahead. What were you gonna say? Oh, sorry. You can finish. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, no. So, so me, as I see it, I just see it as we're looking for strengths and weaknesses. I, I, when I, one thing I wanted to kind of back up a little, if you could, I psychology today, um, I, sometimes I read some of their stuff and they're kind of like a Wikipedia for stuff, but they have some really good articles and they had, is one that a website psychology about, today, like psychology today. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like WebMD, right? Like it, it, it has some great right. stuff in there, but it's not the end all be all. But I, I've read quite a few things on there because I've done research in the past about like, and I've even read some books and some articles. I listened to some TED Talks that talk about the effect porn has on society. Um, and I kind of wanted to back up to that a little bit because I think it's so interesting that we, there's a huge debate in society of whether it's right or wrong. And any scientist will say, a, we don't even really know how it affects us right now. Like we may think we do. Um, there's this really uh, a f- funny story that people use as a metaphor. They say um, there was a man on trial um, for biting off another man's finger. And they pull up a witness and they, they ask the witness, did you actually see my client bite off the finger? And the eyewitness says, well, no, I didn't. And the attorney's like, aha, you never saw this. How can you, how can you prove it? And he's like, well, I saw the man spit out the finger. And so I think sometimes pornography is that way where we, we're, we're looking at the very, we can see some of it, but we can't see all of it yet. What we still know is that when scientists are coming and saying, it doesn't look good, even though maybe right now we can't condemn it all, right? Because maybe someone else bit the finger and he started eating it. I don't, right? Like sometimes we're a very, when especially I think the science part of us, I know there's a part of my brain that says, I need facts to back it all up. Um, but there are times where the facts we have indicate towards this isn't a great behavior for us, 
Um, I think sometimes you have to look at that and recognize just like tobacco, like there were doctors saying tobacco was bad long before it ever became bad. Um, and it was just kind of the mainstream that said, Hey, you know, we don't need to worry about this. And then what it took was advancement in technology to realize the impact it has. And I think addiction is one that we'll see in the next 15, 20 years become one of the most prevalent problems in society today. And that doesn't matter if it's pornography. It doesn't matter if it's media. I, I can tell you today, I think 75% 75% plus of the of America and a huge percent of the world is addicted to social media, is addicted to phones, mm-hmm. is addicted to technology, and it's going to have huge repercussions on our future societies. We have shorting a shor- shorter and shorter attention spans, and that's leading to shorter and shorter thought process, which is leading to less thought out actions. I mean, I think I can reference hundreds of TED talks, hundreds of articles. And, yeah. you know, there's definitely people that argue both sides of this, but I think technology is a two sided sword. And I don't think anybody will disagree mm-hmm. with that. You can use technology to enhance who you are and you can use it to degrade who you are. And yeah, just an example. Sorry, I was yeah. just going to say, just an example of that. I, I mean, <laughs> have you ever tried going to the bathroom lately without your phone? I mean, like yeah. for me, so, I mean, aside from like the goals that I have of of not doing that um, for different reasons, <laughs> um, when I like if I'm at work uh, or if I'm at home and I and I don't have my phone on me when I go to the bathroom, I I almost don't know what to do. And I think most people that are listening to this can probably agree. Try it sometime if you haven't, because it makes it's so weird. And I and I hate to say that because it's it's i'm admitting that i have a problem um and and i don't even i typically i'm just scrolling through uh instagram or something like that that like it it gives me no value but it's just become a bad habit that makes um it makes my (laughs) it makes it interesting (laughs) yeah well one thing i would recommend too so the the, the thing I did with myself is I, I said for one week, every time I went to the bathroom, I wasn't going to take my phone. And if I took it and I pulled it out, you're going to have that time where the second, like where you just open it and you're sitting down and you remember, oh, my goal was to not have this, where I slide it across the floor. Yeah, Everyone yeah. has a case these days, right? Yeah. If you don't, you put, there's probably a carpet, whatever it is, put it in a place that you'd have to get up yeah. to, to, you'd have to get out of the toilet. Right. That's the, that's the sense get up and off the toilet in order to touch it. again. And, you know, I found by the end of the week I had broke it. Like right now I don't take my phone to the toilet anymore. A, because I did a whole week and it felt really good. But B, I realized like there, this sounds so weird because how, how, how much do you go to the bathroom? Right. Like it's not this insane amount of time, but I started thinking about stuff I hadn't thought about in years. Right. I had time to free up my brain. I actually use, I know this sounds so weird, but I actually was like sitting on the john as like mm-hmm. a pondering time where I can like yeah. sit there and kind of <laughs> evaluate my day because I'm so busy up until I go to bed. Yeah. I'm I'm with technology all day. It's like the one relief I have of it. No, it's interesting because I mean, if you were to time yourself, you know, right as you go into the bathroom, when you have your phone versus when you don't, I guarantee you, you're going to find that you spend three to four times more on the toilet when you have your phone. Because I know that's true because I've been at work <laughs> and I've, and I come back and I'm like, man, I was on the, to- I was on the toilet for like 20 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not 
I mean, you, you, you know, you've been on the toilet too long when you stand up and you can't feel your legs, right? Um, you start walking and you're like, Oh, I regret that. <laughs> yeah. But I just, I just did a quick calculation. So if you spend, so let's say you go to the, the bathroom twice a day, which you should be going more than that. I think I did twice a day. It might've been three times a day. Shoot. I can't remember. But anyway, I added that up. So if it was like 15 minutes twice a day, so like 30 minutes a day on the toilet, um, that's 75,600 uh, minutes in a year that you'd be spending doing that. So it just, it like, obviously you have to go to the bathroom, but you're gonna, you're gonna like hugely reduce that time if you're not taking your phone in and you're going to give yourself back a lot of time because it shouldn't take you that long to digest. Um, granted, it's not like, like it is nice to to sit down for a bit and like, this, I mean, man, I did not plan on going here in the first podcast, but yes, sitting on the toilet longer does help you relieve more. However, only to an extent, right? There's a, there's a time where it's like, okay, I've definitely been here too long. So you know, go ahead. One thing that my, my mom's adamant about, um, which is kind of funny because she's, she's a little bit of the older generation. She's definitely like gen. Uh, anyway, she, she's an older generation and uh, she, in her bathroom, she still has the tray of books where you can, you know, pick a book and read. And I found it so relieving to go in there, pick up a book. When you're done using the restroom, it's much easier to put down a book than, than billions of dollars of research to addictive social media, right? Like one of them is a lot easier to sit down than the other. And so, no, I agree with you. And I think that's spot on. And I think that's something to be aware of too in today's society. We're, I, I try and live my life to where I'm not follow falling into all the traps. And when I say traps, I shouldn't say traps, but all the preset paths that society has laid out. And when I say that, people are like, well, what do you mean by that? You just, you know, I'm up here carrying a gun and no, no, I got, I'm not talking about like being this person who lives off the grid. What I'm talking about is people in order to make money in a capitalist society, the truth is they set up systems to funnel you in. That's what people want. People want you to be able to pay yeah. them money for living, pay pay you money for this or that. And for years, I mean, back in the day, I mean, let's go back to the founding of America. How many people paid someone else to build their home? No, no one did. <laughs> everyone had that. Everyone used that skill. They they had to learn. And I think they they also invited people to help them. Like it was more yeah. like a community effort, mm-hmm. I believe. And, and it was really only the wealthy people that paid someone else to do it. And and there was something where you know that you were you're talking about a whole different level of living and i think in today's society we've set up systems and i say we i'm talking about big companies have set up system to make money and that's perfectly fine but you have to realize the second you go out and get a car the second you go out and get a home the second you go and buy a, a piece of appliance like we innately are are buying products that someone else has has made for us to use and they're wanting to make money right like mm-hmm. Gone are the days where we're going and trading a cow for something of equal value with our neighbor. Equal trades yeah. are done. Everything we buy today is plus value to the person we bought it from. If you're in yeah. sales, you know this, it's, right? Like, it's interesting. That's really interesting you say that too, because, um, like, it just it, from my experience too, of like, we recently purchased a house, uh, like a, a little bit over a year ago now, and. We've been in this community 
you know, th- that time. And we've had a f- like maybe two knocks on the door from neighbors uh, welcoming, uh, welcoming us into the neighborhood. And I feel like back when I was a kid, when we would move into another house, like you, the whole neighborhood was coming over and be like, hey, welcome. Like, who are you? You know, where are you from? You know, it's good to have you here. Uh, at least a lot uh, in large portion. A large portion was like that. Not everybody. But um, but I think that's getting more lost and lost. And now we communicate even more and more on social media and less in person. And so those 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 vital interactions that we should be having with people face to face is just becoming a thing of the past. And, you know, we're having more jobs that are remote and I'm kind of going on a tangent. about <laughs> That's a side topic from this, but I think it still applies. Like we're, we're filling our, our the, the society is changing so much that a lot of these very important basic human uh uh, I don't know, traits um, are are just becoming, are changing or being lost. And I think part of the reason why this, this uh, podcast is important to me is because I want to help bring these things back to the surface and say, look, we need to be doing better. We need to be better as men. We need to be better as husbands. We need to be better as parents um, and friends. Uh, you know, we need to try to to i don't know find ways that we can build the people around us essentially um and not even not even because we want to serve because that's a great thing but more just because it needs to become habitual yeah. you know um we are a brother's keeper we need to really fill that role and i think the more that we're doing that the less that we get distracted by our phones, the less we get distracted by um, social media, the less we get distracted by video games and other things, pornography, things that pull us away from the things that matter most. Um, Yeah, that's true. I I think there's not a lot of purposeful living anymore. I think a lot of people think that they're purpose-driven. They think like, oh, well, I want to go to work because I want to get a new car, different things. And to me, there's two types of, of... quote unquote, purposeful living. One is short-term purposeful living. And when I think of that, to me, <laughs> living to get paid on Friday so I can go to the bar and get drunk on, you know, the weekend and, you know, you know, meet a cute, cute girl, whatever that is, right? Like to me, that's short-term living. Long-term living is where your purpose is something that lasts beyond months or maybe even years, right? Where you're working towards a cause. You see a lot of people who do great things, um, I'm just reading a book right now. It's called Into Thin Air. It's about a guy who climbed Everest. And my uh, boss of my company, the owner of my company, um, who I interact with in pretty much a daily basis, he's a really cool guy, David Ross Kelly. He He's climbed Everest too. And hearing both, reading this book and hearing his examples of it, like they've done extraordinary things. He's done the seven summits, which is the seven tallest um, summits on each continent. And then he's done the seven wow. volcanic summits, which is the seven tallest volcanic volcanic summits in the world and he's the first american to have done the seven volcanic summits um and one of those was in the middle of uh, I, I this is so bad i forget if it's the middle of north or the south pole but probably south so the one with land right whichever one has land um, <laughs> yeah uh he was down there and he was gone for several months on that and it took 
like three or four weeks. They had to have a bush pilot fly in and camp there for weeks while they were climbing this. It was just, you know, and I hear about this and I asked him like, how did you get to the point where you were able to do this? Cause he had to be so self-disciplined in his work that he had enough money to do it in his lifestyle. So he was fit enough to do it. Cause he's, you know, 50, right. Maybe even a little bit older than that. Like he's not a, yeah. a super young cat. Um, and t- to hear his one response, which is, well, you know, it kind of started when I was back in high school. Like that was his first, he, he then went on to tell a whole story, but his first sentence was it started back in high school. And I realized <laughs> we're growing up with a generation of people who never started the path of personal success. They never started the path of personal purpose. And your purpose doesn't have to be climb Everest, but Davis succeeded in so many ways beyond that. He's um, currently right now, he's chairman of the international hygienist of the international. um, I forget the name of it, but it's IHIA, but it's the certified industrial hygienist association. And he's the chairman of that. That's a worldwide organization. and, And he has prestigious roles there. You know, he's invited to speak all over the world. He just went to China last year um, and local universities all the time. He, he spends a ton of time teaching and speaking and to talk to him and hear, you know, how he got to this point, it all came from having a purpose. And he chose what that purpose was. And I feel so much, so many of us, because we fall victim to what society offers us, because rather than learning how to save, we only learn how to, we only learn how to save enough. So I think so many people, they know what I'm saying when I say that, where, well, I, I, I have, you know, I have a couple thousand in my bank account or something. Yeah, well, but that, that's just enough to keep you out of, you know, if you have an emergency, that, that's not enough to get you any freedom. And, you know, and they say, well, you know, I just, it seems like wherever I go, I can barely make ends meet and I just barely have enough of my savings. And yet you walk in and they have a new, you know, giant new TV, they have a brand new laptop, like, and I'm not being critical of anybody's buying choices here, but I'm just giving an example of, you know, a place where maybe sometimes we have to reevaluate purpose and you meet people who, you know, they leave, live meagerly. And I feel like almost any success story I've heard of someone who lived out of purpose in their life. It starts out from humble beginnings, not because they themselves didn't have the means to not live humbly, but because they chose to live humbly before they chose to live with success, richly, before they chose to, you know, they were chosen to, to me, it's a simple thing of they chose to save resources, whether that's time, money, or whatever it was, rather than to spend resources. When they were young, they chose rather to save resources, meaning they didn't go to the bar, they educated themselves, they got a degree, they, you know, they didn't you know, just party all the time. They, you know, they joined the military, whatever it was. Right. Um, and they didn't spend all their money. They saved some. And and to me, that was resource building. They built their resources to a point where now they can, you know, Dave, my boss, for instance, he's at a point where he's financially just free and he can pretty much do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And he still works and he's still a great example of hard work, but he's at a point in his life where he has created freedom for himself. And I have so much respect for people like that because I realize that's where I want to be. I don't want to be someone who is 55 and I can't barely pay my bills and I still only have a couple thousand in saving or whatever that is, right? Where I still don't have resources to allocate. I'm out of resources because I use it all. I haven't learned how to save. People think of saving as something where like, we don't always want to save, you know, saving isn't always the best, you know, I want to invest and, and that's fine too. But the idea of being able to collect 
and be a, a, a the verbiage I like to use is <coughs> oh my goodness why can't I think of this word a steward to be a proper steward oh, yeah if you can learn how to be a good steward of resources whether that's time whether that's money whether that's whatever it is investing is a great option like there's so many things to do uh, but if you can learn how to be a good steward I think that like to me that's one of the key goals so I'm sorry I went off on a tangent but no, I love right. what you were to kind of tie this back in I love where you were coming on with all this is we every single day have decisions to make in our life being a good person well that decision is so much more complicated than people make it sound it's a lot more than just opening a door for a loved one it's a lot more than just <laughs> turning off your phone to pay attention to your kids it comes down to being able to have the self-discipline to in, in each little decision to have purposeful living yeah. that's real life you know it's I'm glad you said that because I was just going to say um, self-discipline is what all of this kind of really boils down to um, is that we need to have, as men, as patriarchs, we need to have more self-discipline. That's something that is being lost. You know, it's, it's funny because when I was a kid, I always thought the word discipline was a bad word because that's the word my parents would use when they wanted to like punish me. My mom would say, did you like to my dad, like, did you discipline them? You know, I always saw that as a negative. And it wasn't until I had, I had realized that disciples and discipline were, you know, came from the same root. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's interesting. And so becoming like having a disciplined life and having self-discipline um, is something I mean, I don't think you'll ever achieve self-discipline it's it's a trait that you're it's not even a trait it's it's uh oh, what's the word it's something that you just you're always going to be striving to be better at right um yeah. nobody is like perfectly self-disciplined can i interject here because one of the books I th go ahead oh no well, i didn't mean to interrupt i just wanted to say one of the books that you and i both been reading lately is the power of habit and in that book remember they talk about like this is it, discipline is a muscle. If you start out and you're used to no discipline in your life, you yeah. give temptation to what air that is. So whether you eat too much, whether you spend too much, you won't be able to all of a sudden have great discipline the next day. That's impossible. That's not something you can do. But if you work on it bit by bit, one step at a time, you can grow enough mental discipline. And they, they've done tests and tests and tests in the power of habit by Charles Duhigg talks about all these tests that are done. And it's, there's a big portion, a couple chapters of the book that talk about that from kids to adults that discipline is not innate. It doesn't just come in us. It's something that's grown in us. And so it doesn't matter what your background, it doesn't matter where you come from. Discipline is something you, you grow. In. And that's why I think it's important to exercise it your whole life long. Cause let's say I quote unquote, well, I've been, you know, I'm really disciplined and I'm 44 and I have $50 million and I do whatever I want, whatever that is. And you can say, I'm really disciplined. The second you stop exercising it, guess what's going to happen? You're going to start going downhill. I mean, think about how many times you read stories about super successful people. Um, one of the books I'm reading now is it's called The Undoing Project. And it talks mm. about how do people go from graduating from Harvard first in their class to going to jail. And, and he says, and, and to be honest, it's basically a professor from Harvard who discusses with his students after each class and kind of goes through that process of saying, now you're going to graduate from my class. 
I, I have seen so many of my peers go down in, you know, financial ruin, you know, people who are CEOs of companies and who, you know, defrauded the company out of millions of dollars or whatever it is. And they talk about that each week. It basically, everything in that book that it's talking about, everything, power of habit, it came down to, they laxed up on their habits. They laxed up on exercising self-discipline. That's why people who are super successful even at the very top of the game, people are like, well, if I had all that money, if I had all that time, what's the first thing you hear people say? I would do nothing. I would relax all day. When you get there, if you plan to stay there, what's the first thing you have to realize? I can't relax and do nothing. I can't just let this battle is life itself. Like you, you talked about valor. I, I love that word because I think life's a battle. You win or you lose. I mean, if you go back to primer, like primal times, if you weren't physically fit, you were eaten. A lion got you, <laughs> right? Like, like that's just how it yeah. was. Like, you, you know, you lost out to nature. A bear caught you. Someone, some other man came and killed you for your wife. Like, <laughs> that's how life was. And it doesn't matter that today we're sophisticated. The underlying structure is still there, which is eat or be eaten. And, and I'm not trying to say, you know, we all have to be out to get other people. But what I am saying is if you're not working at becoming strong in in all areas of your life, which starts with self-discipline, if you're not working on that trait, I don't know anybody who's successful who doesn't have self-discipline. Like it just doesn't yeah. happen. No, absolutely. And I think that is a great place to um, to stop on this one because I think self-discipline is a podcast in and of itself. In fact, it's Amen. probably a whole series. <laughs> um, <laughs> I but agree. yeah, I definitely think we should talk about that in, in the next episode because there's <laughs> excuse me. there's like the power, like as you, as you brought up, the power of habit talks so much about that and how, you know, if you want to change your habits, you have to have self-discipline without self-discipline. How are you going to, to, to do any of that? Right. Um, because nobody can change the habit for you. You have to be the one to implement that into your life. And so if you don't have that self-discipline, it's never going to happen regardless of how much somebody else tries to enforce that on you. So I think that's a great place to, to leave it. I think you brought up a ton of great points and I hope that people stuck through to the end of this. <laughs> I know it's, it's pretty long, so um, we'll try to keep the, the next one a little bit shorter um, just to see if we can <laughs> and uh, we'll go from there. But thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate you joining for this one. And I think I'm sure you'll probably be on the next one. And, uh, and thank you all for joining us too. Look forward to it. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs>